What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. It is week four for college football and game day, college game day from ESPN and has come to Chicago. Reese Davis and the gang, it's going to be so great to see game day in town for Notre Dame against Wisconsin. They'll be playing uh, at Soldier Field. I know Bleck and Abdallah from our station here at ESPN with Daz will have a special broadcast before that game will take place between 9 and 11 a.m. Central Time. Make sure that you listen on ESPN 1000 right here on the ESPN Chicago app. It's really cool to see game day in town. And I think that we have a very interesting slate of games that will take place for college football as well. You know, uh, I love college football, and I love that when game day comes to our city. But I'm looking forward to seeing what Notre Dame and Wisconsin will bring to the table. Notre Dame for a long time, has been able to be a very solid football team under Brian Kelly. The question is, can the Irish finally break through? I was able to look at their schedule earlier today, just kind of refreshing myself on the Irish's schedule, and there are some possible pitfalls in the schedule. Not saying that they are going to falter, not saying that they're going to lose a number of games, but this game is pretty important for Brian Kelly. Because you continue to hear the rumor mills about USC, who's going to take that USC job. Could Brian Kelly leave the Irish to go to coach USC? I have no idea. I just know that this game tells a great story about exactly what Notre Dame could be this year. They come in as the number 12 team in the country. They're very young on the offensive line. And they have a veteran quarterback here in Cohen that I think that can really pay dividends for the team. But for how long? The first three games, pretty shaky, right? Florida State winning 41-38 against the Seminoles and then against Toledo winning 32-29, Purdue 27-13. Now, it's not dominant, but you'll take the wins rather than the losses if you're the Irish. And now this Wisconsin team that's very good against the run, who has a very stout offensive line. There's a lot of good things about this uh, Wisconsin team, but I don't think they're battle-tested yet. I saw the number for this with Wisconsin and Notre Dame then looked at the... um, what it looks like in Vegas and Wisconsin is a favorite. In some places, you can get it at seven, where uh, Wisconsin is a seven-point favorite, six and a half in some places, some places six. Uh, but it is interesting to watch the Irish as an underdog, uh, kind of in their backyard in Chicago, as they come in with a 3-0 record against the Wisconsin Badgers. Badgers have not been tested. They lost against Penn State. Uh, I was not impressed by their last game, so we'll see if the Badgers, as stout as they are on both sides of the football, can they make a difference in this one. So I decided to call up my old producer from uh, last year, and he he's worked with me a lot on ESPN 1000, Sean Davis. I'm happy for Sean because he works with Malik Zaire on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. The Lucky Lefty Podcast is where you can find uh, Sean Davis at Lucky Lefty Pod is where you can find the podcast. And also, Sean's working with Sports Illustrated blogging uh, about what's going on with Notre Dame and other uh, storylines around college football. So earlier today, I talked to Sean Davis we usually have these conversations on the phones. And I said, why don't we just record it? Why don't we just talk about Notre Dame and Wisconsin? Let's talk about what's going on in the Big Ten and some of the other uh, matchups for week four in college football. So Sean Davis joins me as a guest as we talk about college football week four. 
What does he expect as someone who covers Notre Dame? What does he expect in this matchup against Wisconsin? Here's my conversation with Davis and I talking about college football on the Under the Hood podcast. My brother, how you feeling today? I feel great. You know why? Because game day's here. And for all the people that say that uh, Chicago's not a college town or doesn't have, it's, it has appeal this time because you got two marquee teams in Wisconsin and Notre Dame come to town. That's, that's really good for the city, I think. Yeah, it's weird seeing people come in from out of town wearing scarf weather and we're still barbecuing because it's above 60. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's very strange, you know. It's funny. Working this morning show, you see on Fridays, you see people from out of town that come in. I'll, I'll give you an example. So when Purdue played Oregon State, I think I got that right. I saw a lot of Oregon State fans just walking past the glass, and I was just like, wait, what are they here for? And they were all bundled up. I'm like, ah, they came to Chicago because they didn't want to stay in a hotel in Purdue. What would you rather say in Chicago or West Lafayette, right? So, Man, I'm definitely driving up from that place. Talk about, man. So, to the state. 
standard that Notre Dame fans have experienced, say, over the last 10 years with the offensive line. Yeah, you expect it to be just an iron gate right there to protect the quarterback. Uh, so you mentioned the coaching. How much of that is just inexperience because of the turnover of offensive linemen you know, going to the pros or leaving the program versus undisciplined nature? I would say it's definitely undisciplined and just poor technique at this point. You, know, you have guards and tackles that are playing on their heels, being pushed back into the quarterback. The quarterbacks can't step into the pocket or survey the pocket to buy time to keep the eyes downfield, which is troublesome because they do have weapons in the passing game, but the quarterbacks are counting the two and then either taking off or just bending down and taking a sack. And you can't have that. Brian Kelly continues to avoid the question of his pressers, continues to say that the offensive line is not a problem, but the tape does not lie. It is a problem, and with the best two teams on their schedule coming up, it will continue to be a problem if they don't get the technique straight. This game, I think, is big. I think that this game... Sean is big for Notre Dame, and you say, "Well, why is that hood?" I mean, you're three and zero. I think it's big only in this regard. The first three games, the margin of victory for Notre Dame, and I know that Coach Kelly doesn't want to hear that. I mean, a win's a win to him, but not against Purdue and against Toledo. And now we know who Florida State is. So, how do you look at this game as far as Notre Dame here in the schedule at this time of year? How big is it? Do you see? Oh, this game is huge. Uh, of course, it'll be historical for Brian Kelly if he wins. He surpassed Luke Rockney as the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. But as he said during the week, it would mean absolutely nothing because he would be the all-time winningest coach without a championship. All of those other guys on that top list have a championship at Notre Dame. So in the scheme of 2021, I'll say it like this. It's a huge game because you really don't think Notre Dame has played anybody up to this point that's up to their caliber. Wisconsin is that ultimate litmus test for this 2021 team. So you want to see how they fare. You want to see how they uh, fare against a team that has just as much talent and is just as powerful and formidable against them up front. Now, when you go to the skill positions, I do believe that Notre Dame has a slight advantage, in my opinion, mm -hmm. at the wide receiver position and the two running backs that they have. Now, let's look at this in a, on a grander scale. This is considered a transitional year for Brian Kelly in this program. I think everybody thought that Notre Dame would take a step back this year, and in taking a step back, 9 to 10 wins would be pretty good. But this is also a foundational year with a class coming in next year and recruiting that's ranked number three right now. And then the 2023 class is ranked either number one or number two. So the impact of Marcus Freeman and recruiting coming in leads to more impact players in the next two years. And if they can set the foundation, playing some of the younger players that they have, which they've done on the offensive line over the previous two weeks, they started out with a true freshman at left tackle and Blake Fisher before he was injured. They expect him back about week eight. So they've changed the culture. Brian Kelly was not a head coach that wanted to play as freshman. He's totally changed that culture. We don't know if it was Marcus Freeman coming in and letting him know they needed to do that to attract big-time recruits. But they've done that. They've shown it, that they will play their freshman. And recruits are listening and they're watching the team. So a game like this on a national stage, 
on a neutral site in a city like Chicago is huge because those recruits that they're still going after will be watching a game like this. So it's big not only for this year, but it's huge for the next two recruiting classes as well. Irish fans, don't forget to check out the Lucky Lefty podcast. It's Malik Zaire and our guest, Sean Davis, a guy who's been working with me for a long time. Sean is a good friend, and I want you to support him just like he supports me. Lucky Lefty Pod, wherever you get your podcast, and check him out on Sports Illustrated as well. What's your letter grade for Jack Cohen so far this season? Man, if you take it, let's, let's average it out. I right. thought he played a B-plus game against Florida State. Especially in the first half, the middle of that game, he struggled a little bit because the offensive line struggled with Blake Fisher going out with injury late in the second second quarter. But then in the fourth quarter, you saw the poise that he brings, having the experience as a Big Ten champion uh, quarterback coming over. He had that poise late in the game to get them that win. He comes back once again against Toledo, struggles, but then again in the fourth quarter, the poise shows as he leads them on a touchdown-winning drive. Comes back against Purdue, struggles in the first half, goes in in the second half, comes out, completes 70% of his passes in the second half, and Notre Dame takes control of the game. So the one thing that's been consistent is his poise. He's been able to overcome adversity in all three games, and he hasn't allowed Notre Dame and that offense to go into a rut. And they've been able to rise above the tide and win those games when they had to. Now, it comes to Wisconsin, Jim Leonard, a number three nationally ranked defense over the last five years. Mm-hmm. It's been Clemson, Alabama, Wisconsin. And a lot of people don't know that. They're facing their toughest test against probably the best defensive coordinator they'll face on that schedule all year. They're bigger up front. They're more physical up front on that defensive line than most people give them credit for. Where they can't be attacked is on the back end and in that secondary. We saw that in the first game with Penn State. Sean Clifford and his receivers had plenty of opportunities, but Sean Clifford had an off day. So if we can get B level, which is the grade I'll give to Jack Cohn through these three games, a B right now, if he can be a B quarterback or above against Wisconsin, to have a great chance to come away with the victory. I am uh, really intrigued by this game, Sean, because there are just so many different matchups to look at, right? I mean, yeah. I'll give an example. Like, nobody stops the run like Wisconsin in the country, right? So, so this will be big for Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. And how will they be able to get the job done running the football? Because along with that, and Tyler Buckner, the backup quarterback for the Irish. Like, if you take Cone out and you have a certain set of plays for Buckner that can utilize his legs, again, that's all part of the running game. I'm just wondering how much of that will Kelly use because it's, I mean, it's a strong defense that stops the run, but you still have to try, right? Yeah, one of the smaller stories for Notre Dame is Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. Being, give, being given full control of the play call of Brian Kelly and watching his maturation in his second year. I'll give him a lot of credit last week against Purdue. Early in the game, the run game was being stuffed, and he stuck with it. And eventually, late in that game, they got a, they got the big run by Kyron Williams to put them up a couple of touchdowns, and then they were able to run out the clock late in the game. So they, they paid dividends, the early body blows in the run game that might not have given you four or five yards. 
especially as the game wore on, they were able to set the running game up and cause them to be able to go downfield with play action. Now, as you said before, stout defensive uh, front against the run Wisconsin, but where they're vulnerable once again is in the secondary, and Kyra Williams and Chris Tyree can not only hurt you in the run game, but they're very effective in the pass game. The first touchdown against Purdue on the third down, they split Kyra Williams out in the slot. He ran a slant pattern, and he took it 50 yards. So that's where Notre Dame can go ahead and get some mismatches against these linebackers that like to come downhill for Wisconsin, spread out that defense, get Kyra Williams and Chris Tyree on linebackers, and let them do damage in the pass game. I'm just going to look at the the Irish offensive line and like, okay, Carmody, like I know that you have an ankle in, in a situation, but I think the Irish have to run the football effectively when you are only averaging. Now, here's a, here, here's, a, here's a little bump in the road to have a problem with. They're only averaging three yards a carry so this season, right? That's 115th out of 130 FBS teams. They have to have some kind of breakout performance. Someone has to have a bust a good run, and then maybe that'll continue to open the lineup, uh, the, the opportunity for the Irish to run the football. I mean, three yards of carry won't get it done in college at all. Yeah, but once again, Tommy Reese can't get frustrated. Yeah. He can't get frustrated, and Tommy Reese actually is coaching himself. Like, if you go watch Tommy Reese at Notre Dame and watch tape of Jack Cohn, they're basically the absolute same quarterback. And Tommy Reese can't get caught up in trying to get the big play and force the big play. He has to stay committed to the run, even when they're only getting two yards per carry early in the game. Stay with it. Keep the keep drives going. Keep that defense on the field. And by the time you get to 50 plays for your offense, you'll start to see that defensive front get tired. Even though they're stout, they don't have a lot of depth. So hopefully you take them in deep, into deep waters in the third and fourth quarter, and then you can start making some hay in the running game. But I do agree with you. They need some effective plays in the running game. They need to pop one big to loosen up that defense. You know, it's tripped out. I mean, Vegas knows a lot better than you and I, right? I mean, Vegas is the reason why they have those, you know, big restaurants and those big hotels in Vegas because they know right. the, the line. I'm surprised at what I suspect to be a pro-Irish crowd. That could be 60-40. That could be 70-30. I don't know. If Irish fans should not be selling their tickets. They should actually be trying to be at Soldier Field and be a part of this game. But it's just kind of funny, right? So Wisconsin loses a tough one against Penn State. They beat Eastern Michigan, and now this is their third game. I don't know why the line is, is almost, in some places, seven. Other places, six and a half for in Wisconsin's favor. I think that if it's going to be somewhat of a pro Notre Dame crowd, I would move that line a little bit closer. But they know better than me. I I expect Notre Dame to to be able to have it should be Notre Dame plus six and a half. They may even win the game. I just think that it'll be closer than what I think Vegas thinks. Yeah, I think that line kept moving up because early on, seventy percent of the money from the public was coming in on Notre Dame. So the public was swinging Notre Dame's way. That pushed the number up a little bit. I'm shocked that Notre Dame's even the underdog in this game. Really? Just in my opinion, absolutely. I was not impressed with Wisconsin versus Penn State, and I'll tell you why. Graham Mertz has been absolutely awful. Like, this is the person that they replaced Jack Cohn with, which ultimately led Jack Cohn to go to Notre Dame. He was supposed to be that next-level NFL top, top talent quarterback to take that Wisconsin offense to the next 
initial game against Illinois last year, and after that, he tailed off before being injured. And we come into the season with all the expectations. In the first two games, he doesn't even have a pass and touchdown. Wisconsin has been able to run the ball. They ran it effectively against Penn State. They ran it the first 16 plays against Eastern Michigan, but Eastern Michigan really couldn't stop them. So that's really all they had to do to win the game. The defensive front or the defense for Notre Dame is not big, but they slant a lot. They have a lot of tackles for loss. They doubled their tackles for loss already this year that they had last year under Marcus Freeman. Just think about that. Total tackles for loss that they had last year, they've doubled that in the first three games. And it's pretty much the same four defensive linemen. So it just shows you the difference in the scheme and what Marcus Freeman is asking his defensive linemen to do in comparison to now head coach of Vanderbilt Clark Lee was asking that defense to do last year. So it's going to be Strength on strength. That's what we're going to see at Soldier Field. The Wisconsin running game and the disruptive front seven of Notre Dame, seeing if they can get in the backfield and put Grant Mer- Graham Mertz in third, second and long, third and long. And based upon what we've seen the first two games, Wisconsin, they've also struggled in the red zone. They've been going for field goals, haven't been able to convert, fumbled the ball a couple of times in the red zone against Penn State. So if this comes down to the quarterback, I'm going to lean Jack Cohn's way. I, I really am. Just based upon what I've seen from the middle of last season up to this point, I'll lean with Jack Cohn and his experience late in the game, which is going to be pretty much a fourth-quarter game. I think we all agree with that. Uh, Sean, you mentioned how big this game is and how much might it might be pretty big for Brian Kelly. So Kelly is staying with the Irish next season, right? Because I know there's a job opening out west. <laughs> if he, I, can't, if he's I cannot. I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking, man. Like I, I, I know that he wants to win at Notre Dame. Who wouldn't, right? Because you, yeah. you laid it out, right? You want to walk with Newt Rockney. You want to walk with him, right? I mean, as far as wins and successful program, you want to walk with Holtz. But the difference is the chip is that national championship. Isn't it? Otherwise, it's like he was a really good coach, but he couldn't get to the mountaintop because it was Alabama's time. Uh, that's pretty much it. He is never going to be the bell of the ball. And this is the thing. You have Luke Rockney, right? Yes. But then he, he's just not going to be Lou Holtz. No. There is a love-hate relationship with Brian Kelly and the fan base. There's it, always people, some people blame him for some of the tragedies that have happened. There's no need to even mention. We know what they are. Yes. And then just his on-field demeanor rubs people the wrong way sometimes. He's tried to change his ways with that. He's become more of a CEO than a hands-on head coach. And he previously was probably, he made that change around 2016, 2017. And so it actually bode well for the program. And you've seen the success. He's gone to two college football playoffs in that time. But as much as he's talked about them closing the gap with the likes of Clemson and Alabama, when they face them in these playoff games, you don't see it in the results. You still see a wide margin of defeat. And so when an opportunity like this pops up and you hear his name, the fact that USC could even put his name in reports or people reporting on the position put his name out there, it's kind of shocking. Like, why would they think that he would leave? And you have to think that Brian Kelly might question to himself, can I really win here? 
get the Nebraska win, and then Texas, San Antonio, and Virginia, and Maryland, and now Purdue. Like, can Illinois pull the nose up and win this thing on the road? Man, this is going to sound crazy, but the cost of living in the state of Illinois, specifically the city of Chicago, has impacted basketball and football talent. And the depth of talent over the past 10 years, and people really don't talk about it. So many kids have moved out of state, whether it's to Atlanta, whether it's to the Carolinas, or down to Texas to get a better life. Their parents have to move down there for jobs because of that. And when you lose all of that talent, the big talent like Billingsley, the tight end from the city that won a state championship, where does he end up? He ends up in Alabama, right? right. Because that middle class that would end up in Illinois or possibly end up in Northwestern, they're no longer there. So now you have this great talent at the top and then you have a drop-off and you have the lower talent in both sports. And it's really hurt Illinois and all the other state schools as far as them having a a base to recruit from. And if they're not going to get in there and win the big fights of the top players like a Sebastian Cheek this year, the middle linebacker, if they can't get those guys then it's going to be a long haul because now they have to go to Wisconsin and Iowa and surrounding states in the Midwest to find the top players and maybe still one or two guys from California or Florida that can be playmakers. And that's that's a tall task for anybody, especially Brett Billima. And he's been, he's grown up in Big Ten country. Mm-hmm. So he knows the lay of the land, but it's still a tall task. And he's going to have two or three years of rebuilding that of uh, the foundation of that Illinois program. So I I don't see Illinois winning another game maybe for another three to four weeks. So you heard it here first, everybody. Sean Davis says, take Purdue and the 11. All right. Yeah, we did. Jeff Brown is going to run that up. <laughs> you heard it here first. Sean Davis says, take the 11. Now, I have to speak for you because I know you're not a gambling man. Uh, I know you like you like that money that folds, but I know you're not gambling, so I have to speak for you. So I'll I can interpret what you're saying by the analysis. I've actually gotten into it, Hood. Oh Lord! I watch, I do. I write the gambling piece for Irish Breakdown now, Sports Illustrated. Yes, and and, and and Purdue was one of my locks of the week. Well, we understand from your standpoint, that's just you giving advice like you give the, the brethren and the sisterin. So that's just advice. That's yeah, my, that my heart my pocket is not behind it. Now, <laughs> exactly. Right. Not, 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 yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> See, I already know that much. <laughs> the investment is not, not the same. No, no, but you're always willing to give the advice. I don't understand that, yes, uh, from your seat. That's what you're looking at there. Uh, so... Uh, I, I look forward to this, man. Tell me, what's it like to work with Malik Zaire? It's been great because we did individual work with the uh, Irish Breakdown podcast over the previous year and a half. They would come in and have us as guests substituting on the podcast. And that's how we met. Of course, me being a longtime fan, uh, we connected with each other on social media and was sent back tweets and literally just direct messaged him one day and said, man, what do you think about starting a podcast? And he was all for it. He was like, let's do it. And literally, that was the genesis of Lucky Lefty Podcast. And our first podcast, I just flat out asked him, like, yo, you know, you see Deshaun Watson out in L.A. walking to a restaurant, you walk up to him. What's the first thing that you say? And his thing was, if I started that game in 2016, you wouldn't be the dude you are. 
they would have beaten, you know, Deshaun Kaiser. That was like his second start. Malik felt like if he started that game, they would have beaten Clemson and Deshaun Watson's whole narrative moving forward would never have been the same. So with just great conversation like that, talking about the ins and outs, and he gives insight to certain things concerning Brian Kelly from experiencing that. Like, what's it like being developed by Brian Kelly as a quarterback? Because he really hasn't been able to develop one in his tenure there. Right. So he gives insight as to why what's he's what's wrong with them and he had an interesting take this week on the podcast that's up right now on the lucky lefty podcast youtube channel uh he said the problem with notre dame is that brian kelly wants to be the face and he won't allow his players to be the face and he said when <laughs> brady quinn was there he said it was brady quinn and the notre dame reds so yeah. you know it was just kind of like he just pointed out like the culture what's wrong see all these great teams like Clemson. You say Clemson, you immediately think of Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson before you get to Dabo. Right. You know, so he's like, the players are bigger than the coach. And he said, it's not like that in Notre Dame. And until Notre Dame changes that and allows the players to be bigger than the coach, he thinks they'll continue to struggle and fall behind the big dogs in college football. All right, again, it's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, check out Malik Zaire and our guest, Sean Davis. Uh, I'm glad we were able to break bread and, and talk about this. This is a very interesting game. I'm just glad that game day's here, and it's a big-time college football game happening at Soldier Field in Chicago. So that that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if, no, if Notre Dame fans allow another Notre Dame game to be dominated by red, you went to one. Oh yes. Yes. Oh so yes. If I see more red in Soldier Field than green and gold, that that's that's not gonna sit well with my soul. Well, I mean, all I know is that my Georgia people came up here, and there's about sixty, nah, about seventy, thirty Georgia fans took over the, the stadium and a W. Yeah, you showed out. Georgia, yeah, other than the fans, they showed out. I have to give you credit. That was one of the most shameful. <laughs> shameful representations of the Notre Dame fan base. I wish I could forget that and the game as well, the way it turned out. But hopefully tomorrow will be a little bit better. Um, Madison is about the same distance as South Bend. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, and it's technically a home game for them too. So I'm sure, you know, the Badgers will represent. Are you going to do a podcast on uh, the ankle? Of one Patrick Williams because Bulls fans are going crazy. Yes, I, I've been seeing this here. Um, you know, well, here, here's the problem with that, right? The reason why you, they shouldn't be going crazy, Bulls fans, is because uh, the Bulls are very small. I mentioned this in the last um, Under the Hood basketball podcast, which you can find, by the way, on Spotify, the ESPN Chicago app. Davis, they're small. Uh, and that is a problem because if Patrick Williams is not playing, who plays the four? Right, I think that is. I think that's a big question uh, for the Bulls. Even if Patrick Williams is healthy, uh, you know, you're trying to press in the service of 19, 20 year old kid. Is he ready to start? Is he ready to be a difference maker? So I get it. I get it, man. I like listen. Training camp starts next week, and uh, I just know that sports is going really fast. That training camp for the NBA has already started. So. <laughs> Similar to me dealing with Notre Dame fans, anything is a, a need for panic. Well, hey, listen, you, the door is open. Uh, Ohio State already lost their game, so yeah. you so you have an opportunity. Just run the table. You're in. 
to the non-power five, in my opinion. The Lucky Lefty Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, don't forget to go Sports Illustrated. Look for Sean Davis and his look at the Irish every week on Sports Illustrated. As always, my friend, let's do this again. I appreciate the conversation. Anytime.